if we're all honest, officials are just as much part of the game as the players and the coaches and the fans and the parents and everybody that's there. Even though they're just as much part of the game, we don't want them to be. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, can you appreciate that, that idea? I mean, does that make sense? The best, they say the best game an official calls is one where no one notices that you're there. Fans will mimic a coach's behavior. Yeah. If if your coach is in the dugout just raving, raving, if a fan sees you, like you said, going out, being respectful, I always say, what if I went to your place of work Mm -hmm. and just yelled at you for eight straight hours? How much fun would that be? Hey, Ump, you're horrible. Ref, open your eyes. You're missing a great game. It's episode 20 of the Coaching Life podcast, and we are talking with an official. That's right. Officials are people, too. We have Nathan Carroll on. He's a licensed official in multiple sports and has so much to offer to us as coaches, as parents, and as athletes. Regardless of what game you play, I think you'll get something out of this episode today. So listen up. It's time to start episode 20 right now. Welcome back to the Coaching Life Podcast. I'm Pat Martin. I'm here with Coach Chris Stewart. Coach, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing well, thanks. Coach, we uh, do you remember when we used to try to keep these podcast episodes under 30 minutes? Oh, we did that? <laughs> first, first couple? Yeah, first yeah. couple, and it kind of gained out. I guess you could say we're expanding. Well, hopefully, if, as long as people are still listening. Yeah. Well, we got to keep bringing in good. Yeah, good that's content, the only way, right? That's yeah, that, that's the only way. Yeah, we got to have guests. Yeah. So, who was the podcast for when we <clears throat> uh, originally started? It was for players, mm-hmm. athletes, athletes, coaches, yep, fans, and parents. Fa- yeah, definitely. And and you know some combination. You know, uh, among those th- three or four groups of people, you might have. Uh, someone might be two or three of those things, you know. It's true. Uh, you know, I mean, you could be a, you know, a lot of people are fans if you're playing the game as well. You know, yeah, everybody was a, well, not everybody, but a lot of us were probably players. You know, parents now coaching, dad right. coaches, mom coaches. Yeah. Well, we're going to go a step further. We're going to grow a little bit. We're going to invite a new group of people. Yes. A new species. Exactly. New, new group. <laughs> we're going. We're we're going to bring officials into the Coaching Life podcast because we have a, a guest today that, that just happens to be... It's a good idea. ...an official, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's it's Nathan Carroll. Nate, good having you. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you guys yeah. having me. Thanks for coming on, Nate. Talk a little bit about Nate here real quick. You know, me and Nate, I think over the last few years, have become pretty good friends, and, and he's helped me a lot, actually, in my understanding of, of officials and umpires. Um but but a lot with the way that I approach them during a game. Sure. And you know, these are things that I've I never really thought about before. You know, uh, got to talking to Nate a lot about things like that, and I uh, really appreciate that. But um, I hope that's something that he, that he can bring to us today in today's episode. But Nate graduated from Eastern High School. He was a multi-sport athlete. We talk about that quite a bit. Played basketball for four years. He golfed for three years. Played baseball for a year. Nate, I'm surprised you didn't run 
run track or, or cross country. Maybe we'll get into Just try that. them all. R- really, really, really. Nate's a speedster. He what, can he can really run. What year did you graduate? Two thousand eight. I was there during some of that. Probably. Yeah, I had did two stints at Eastern, like two thousand two to four. They couldn't get rid of you the first time. And then time, I though. did. And then I was there. I was actually there two thousand eight. But I, I went back as a s- intervention specialist. And then at the second half of that year, I became the eleventh grade language arts teacher. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was some, yeah, I won't tell the story of why that happened. But okay, so good. Maybe Nathan might remember. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Nate graduated from the University of Rye Grand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think what we want to talk about today, the key time here, uh, is when he was a, a freshman or sophomore in high school, and he started doing something that that I've considered the one true indicator of a of an individual's sanity or lack thereof. Hmm. He began to officiate youth sports. Oh, that early. Well, yeah. just period. I think I think if you if you if you look to get into officiating youth sports, you have to have a little bit of crazy in you. I oh, really I, uh, yeah, especially <laughs> like basketball. I think that's the yeah, I basketball. Can't imagine sorry, why anyone want to be a basketball <laughs> official? Which I'll ask you that in a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what he started. He started doing uh, youth baseball and basketball <clears throat> when he was 15 mm. years old. Glutton for punishment. Nate was a part of a family, so that might have been. That might have been kind of a lead into an official's it. family. It was an official's family. His uh, his grandfather Pat. Pat, I know Pat. Yeah, you remember yeah. Pat? He spent a lot of years leading and officiating uh, youth sports in the Tupper's Plains, Ohio area. Yeah. Very, very big imp- impact uh, person on that area, um, and that trickled down to Nate and his brothers, Chris and Tyler. And That's they, awesome. They, yeah, yeah, so they, they all do stuff like that. They all have been uh, contributors to the youth league. Chris is the the president of the local. Uh, association for the baseball youth league in, in Tupper's oh, okay. Plains now. So, um, so they've all made great contributions to the youth in that area and, and, and really continue to do so today. He's been officiating for 14 years. He's been a licensed basketball official for seven here in Ohio and softball and volleyball for six years. He's a USA certified softball umpire and has umpired for the Ohio Regional Campus Conference for three years. And this past season, he was selected to officiate his first district final in volleyball. Oh, outstanding. Congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Those, those aren't easy to get. No. Yeah. So everyone has goals, right? Accomplishments, even officials. Even officials have to get to oh, a spot yeah. where they yeah. you know, want to get better and stuff like that. So, Nate, again, good to have you. Appreciate you being on. And if you could, uh, talk to us a little bit about what made you decide to get into officiating. Well, as you said there in the opening, um, my grandfather, Pat, he ran the youth league there at Tupper's Plains for a long time. Uh, I think he started when I was probably in Pee Wee or so. And then you guys know how hard it is to find officials. <laughs> right. When, why is Ain't that, that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> well, he had three of us there in his own house. <laughs> three so, willing people. Yeah. yeah. Wanting to make a little extra money there yeah, that, in that's high school. where it begins. That's yeah. Um, so when I was 15, I started uh, officiating baseball and softball there at uh, Tupper's Plains. And if you want to come across some rules in a rule book that you never thought you would see, you need to umpire some youth league <laughs> baseball and softball. Some of the right. scenarios exactly. that take place. Well, I tell you this. That keep you sharp. They do, and 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 you might mention this, but 
I know that the Carroll brothers are usually up on their rules. Uh, I, I've argued. You got with a test for them here in a little bit. Don't have a test because okay. I'd probably fail the test. But uh, I've <laughs> I've, I've debated uh, uh, Nate and Chris both. Not, Tyler, not so much, but Nate and Chris definitely. Chris more than anybody because he he really loves it. Wait so. a second. You, when you say you debate, you've debated them. You're not talking about sitting over a cup of coffee somewhere. You're talking about actually out on the court or out on the field. You've had this debate. Well. <laughs> Usually it's not about rules when we're on the court. Uh, you know, Chris and Tyler. It's about judgment. Nate, oh, all of them. Nate's called some of my games too. And uh, yeah, yeah, uh, but we've never. Yeah, I'm just talking about rules. You yeah. know, things will come up and. Oh yeah, and, it's usually uh, it's text fun. message. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Something right, happened yeah. that you want to find out later. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So we're not right. arguing on the field here. Uh, no, you no. don't ever do that. Me? Do you? You don't. I mean. Yes. Remember, people listen to this. People actually do listen. <laughs> I, to I have to stay. Yeah, I got to be honest. Maybe right? after this episode, he'll <laughs> calm down. Well, it always helps. That it, it doesn't it help? Yeah. To to talk through it and then think because then you remind yourself. Wait a minute. I I said in front of people. Yes. That I was going to handle this differently. Yeah. We we had a conversation a while back about officiating. Did you happen to listen to that? I did. Yes. And and you know because it is a priority for us to. I mean, our goal is to make the entire culture of youth sports better. And a huge aspect of what's wrong with the culture of youth sports is the way people interact with officials. Yeah. And so it's extremely important for us to have you on here today. Yeah. Well, it's helped me to too because people. we've talked about it before, kind of personalizing the relationship. Uh-huh. You grow that relationship a little bit. So, you know, the you know, knowing Nate and, and Chris and Tyler and, and, you know, not just them but other officials, but being able to talk to them one-on-one about rules and about yeah. coaches and things like that. You, you know, those things stick with you. It's, yeah. I'm still right. working progress. So. Yeah. <laughs> Officials are people too. <laughs> they they're are. not, they're, they're, their name is not blue. And then, yeah. well, you know name. what coach, that's funny. Let, let's, let's ask Nate about that because here's what yeah, I've experienced. I'm not going to say what I've experienced. Nate, would you, how, how would you, or we might get into this later though. That's all right. I can get into it. How, how would you? How do you um, prefer a coach uh, refer to you at, on a on a on a court or a field? Me personally, I know a lot of officials like a more personal relationship where they call each other by name. Yeah, I prefer to be called Coach in Blue. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I I've, I've that's noticed, an unusual. I feel thing like for me, for, in, if for, a fan for, hears a coach call you by name. They might start assuming. They make assumptions that you that, that you, you know sure. them. Mm. See, I never thought about that. Yeah. Well, I, the reason I bring that up is because I ran into it in travel ball this year. Mm-hmm. I would go, you know, maybe the pregame meeting or whatever. I would go up and I we'd introduce ourselves and I say, you, you know, do you want me to call you by your name or do you want me to call you Blue? And more often than not, the umpire's like, oh, you you call me Blue or I'm going to be upset. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I've just never run into any of those guys. I guess. Yeah. Because I, I've I've had I've had guys tell me, and I, obviously it's personal preference, you know. But I've had guys tell me that they, you know, it, you know, come to the um, the home plate meeting or something, and we introduce ourselves by first name, and then he'll actually ask me, you know, you mind if I, I you mind if I call you Chris during the game, and I'll be like, yeah, sure. Well, you call me Bill, you know, you call me Tom or whatever, and uh, I prefer that as well. And of course, he says that to the opposing coach as well. So right. he wants both of us to. To do that. So if you got a question, just ask, you know, just ask my name is Tom and you know his name out there is Dave. Just, you know, talk, you know, just ask if you can come and talk to us and we'd be glad to talk with you. And what I find what what I like about that personally is that it's a lot easier. I, I should say it's a lot harder 
for my emotion level of getting angry when I see something that I disagree with, it's a lot. Hard. I think it's a lot more difficult for me to lash out at somebody who is less who is it's to an impersonal being who's called blue sure or right. sir or mr umpire you know that's that's there's no relationship there's no feel of a relationship there and so i think for me personally i like the fact that that you want me to call you nate you know on the field because I, one i don't care what the fans think to be honest. i mean right it, but two i like i i like having to pause personally and go all right, this is a dude that has a wife and kids and a family, you know, as well. And he's right. out here doing the best he can, just like I am. And I'm screwing up as much as he's screwing up. And I got to remember that. And and so I think having a name does something about that. So I've always appreciated that. But I'm I'm if somebody ever wants me to call him blue, I'd be glad to. I, I call you whatever you want me to sure. call you. Well, but, I think that's the but, key is you yeah, know, you make the you ask you, you yeah, yeah you have those yeah you know the beginning of the formalities there where you go through and right. find out a little bit about the hmm. the umpire the official. I think that's important. My brother was telling me a story yesterday about a game he was in um, last year where uh, it would have been a, a youth travel tournament game, and he he said that he, uh, he he didn't know the umpire's name. It was one of those game days where they played three or four games in a day, and he and so he just said, hey, sir, I got a question, and he, and he, he called him sir, and he said the guy got really mad at him for that. I've had that, and too. Sh- yeah. And, and, yeah, People yeah. don't like it being called got, sir. Got real, he got real, he was like, wow, I'm sorry. He said, I'm not <laughs> trying to be, uh, he's like, I wasn't trying to be insulting. I just didn't, I want to get your attention some way, and I don't like calling people blue, you know. He's yeah. like, I don't want to be called that either. <laughs> and so I said, and I, I said, well, it just sounds to me like you maybe ran to somebody who's having a bad day, <laughs> a chip on their shoulder or something. <laughs> so. Well, part of the issue with me is I... I go through so many different coaches in a summer it's throughout easy. the year. Yeah. I've done forgot your name by the time our umpires <laughs> meeting is over. Right, That's a good right. point. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And then it becomes insulting if you call them the wrong name. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think, so, you know, there's a second part of that and we'll get and jump to it. Uh, how, do, when you, you know, say we're in the middle of a game, you know, hmm. and you make a horrible call. Which doesn't happen. <laughs> right, I, I was I wasn't sure which way I was going to go with that. I'm glad you went away with it. But yeah, so you make a call. Every call's horrible fifty percent of the time, right? Right. Because <laughs> one side, you know, any close call anyway. Okay. You make a call, and you know the the coach disagrees with it. How do you like? What are your expectations in regards to how that coach? Uh, demonstrates or communicates that displeasure with you in those circumstances. Well, I'll ask you this. Will you yelling from the dugout make me change that call? <laughs> exactly. No. Of course. It, it's never it's <laughs> right. never worked for me. Right. Matter right. of fact, my my you, pretty much nothing you do changes the call. Hardly ever. Hardly ever. Mm-hmm. Although I I had two calls overturned this year. Which which was stunned me. Well, <laughs> you know, if 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 there was a chance, you know, the question I always like to ask is, you know, and I and I would never do this. I shouldn't say I would never. In recent years, I never did this from the dugout. I would always ask for time, you know, permission to come out and talk, and which is and the I, correct way. And I would say that's, that's big. I, I, you know, can we? My look, approach, yeah. Can yeah, we emphasize back, that real quick? Everyone out there listening, absolutely. I think. This is one of the biggest things in youth sports right now. And if, if coaches would just do this, because mm-hmm. um, I heard uh, Coach Chafin talking about this mm-hmm. on, on, a, on a podcast one time. 
if, if coaches would just do this, it would change the atmosphere of the sure. game so much and change yeah. those situations. Call timeout and ask, hey, can I come talk to you about that call? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Changes everything. Yeah. And, so and maybe before we even go a step further, is do you find that <laughs> – well, one is does a does an official have to like in a game of baseball? Does the official have to allow you to come out and ask a question about the call? You don't have to. Yeah, I didn't think so. Um, but I've never told a coach that he couldn't. Who does it respectfully like that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. See so that that would make sense to me. Now, if you're right. just over here yelling, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that's what when I the the thing that I would like that I like to ask you know to go back to. What's the likelihood of getting a call changed? And you said you have gotten a couple changed in a game. And, and I, I probably have had that happen as well. But the thing I always want to know is, you know, I just want to make sure because there's more than one of you out here. Are you absolutely sure? Are you 100% sure that what you saw was this runner was out? Mm-hmm. You right. know, because I understand that, you know, I, I'm not saying that insultingly. I'm just saying I understand that sometimes we call what we assume is going to happen. You know, we, are we, you know, you, it looks like, hey, this is going to happen. And all of a sudden we're surprised. But we, you know, because if for some reason you're not 100% sure, I would love to request for you to ask your partner. <laughs> right. And, 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 I, and I say that that's how I approach that because I, I'll tell you something that irritates me as a coach when an opposing coach, and I can name some schools who do this a lot. <laughs> They're not. I, I won't do that. <laughs> and some specific coaches who do this a lot. They demand, like they'll start shouting from the dugout. They'll demand that, hey, go ask your buddy here because he had a better, yeah. you know, and, and sometimes it's a call where you're standing six feet from it, but that guy's 90 feet from it. And they're wanting you to go ask him if he saw something better. I've done that you before. Know? And, but yeah. I, it just irritates me when a coach demands that of an official. It's like, he didn't have to, he, you don't have to ask for help. No. Yeah. Um, but if a coach comes out and wants me, to go to my partner for help 99% of the time out of respect basically for yeah. the coach yeah i'll go say hey do you have any information on this play that would make me want to overturn this call yeah now if i'm an umpire standing at second base and a coach comes out and says hey can we appeal that to your partner <laughs> i'm going to say coach no i think that i i the reason why that irritates me is i think that is so insulting it is. That is so disrespectful. Yeah. For for even to go out and 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 ask. That's why I like to ask the question first. You know, not like, hey, can we appeal that? I just like to ask the question. Hey, is, if you're 100 percent sure that, that you saw it, and you know, and I just happen to see it differently from where I was standing. Okay. There's nothing. I know there's nothing going to. Right. Nothing's going to change. Right. Well, and not it, again to revisit. Coach Chafin talked about that, and I thought what he said was so. I we need to have Coach Chafin on, but. Yeah. yeah, he said he would. Yeah, yeah. We just got to schedule it. I know. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, sometimes you'll see umpires tell a coach that they're responsible for their fans, especially in a youth environment. Mm. The the fans are getting out of control when, you know, an umpire will say. No, it happens in high school environments, too. I've had an official tell me that before. Really? Yeah. That's discussion for another day. It, well, or maybe this <laughs> or day. Or maybe this day. I don't. I don't think that. I, I, Nate, you know, we don't have to use names. Nate, but I, you, I can. I'm, I in my mind right now, I can see the exact scenario and hear the exact wording and the exact people and the exact field and, and, and everything that was happening because it you, wasn't that do long. Do you ago. listen to fans when you're out there? More so in baseball and softball, you can hear them. Say basketball, a, you can't hear a word the fans are saying. Yeah. Man, that's a point that needs to be emphasized. Every person who goes to a basketball game, and, and, and if you're listening right now, hear what, what Nathan, our official, said just now. 
They can't hear what you're saying, so stop <laughs> yelling at them. From the you make you're making the game horrible for everybody sitting around you. Yeah. Oh, I I'm, I get irritated at basketball games, man. Me too. <laughs> I do. I don't know why you. I. I mean, we we should talk about basketball in a little bit, but I. I, I don't know why anyone would. Uh, you do not get paid enough to officiate basketball. It's crazy. Coaches are in your all. The, I'd be throwing coaches out left and right if I officiated basketball. But it is the most fun. Yeah, I hear it's, people it's say that. Most fun to officiate. Jason Wright says huh, the same interesting. thing. Interesting. I. I. I don't. I. I don't get it, man. I. Yeah. There's. Nothing like the adrenaline. Maybe that's of it. being out there. Yeah, it's fast paced. It's constant. Right. Yeah, but so there's so many calls to make. All, maybe that's why it's so much fun. You got to blow the whistle a lot, right? Or you don't. You yeah. know, one thing that I think about basketball because I, I, I have, and unfortunately, I have experience in this. The tempo of the game and the way that you're always yelling, kind of as a you're yelling as a coach. You know, not. Not always negative yelling. Just, you, you have talking to in a loud voice, voice. Yeah. and it's kind of like fast tempo. I feel like the transition to yelling at an official is very easy. Like you got to be from cold to hot, right? Because you're yelling at your really player cool. one minute, yeah. Then the next thing you say to an official, you're probably going to be yeah. Because I've done that before, and you know, I feel bad about it later sure. just because I'm. Oh yeah, you know. And there's other things that I've done that I feel bad about too, but hopefully I'm, I'm beyond that at this point. But uh, hmm. but what, are coaches responsible for their fans? In a basketball game? Oh, shoot. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. We kind of missed that, didn't well, we? Well, I guess in any game. I mean, baseball, basketball. Football. Well, they are at the point when the umpire comes over and says, hey, quiet them down. What, or, can, what can a coach do then? It's exactly. more, it's more of the ADs. That's true. An administrator. An administrator. Yeah. An but let me make this point because, well, it's not my point. It's Coach Chafin's point. And he, because he said that if you take that time and you ask, for, you ask for time, you ask to come out and communicate with the umpire, that time that you go out and you're communicating with them face-to-face and there's a, there's a break in action, that actually quiets the fans down. You're hmm. controlling the fans in that case because you're, they you're, see that you're actually doing something about it. You're doing something it. about yeah. it. You're talking to the umpire. You try to, you know, you try to do something, and then you're yeah. coming back to the dugout, and you're fine. You're under control. The fans kind of follow that lead a little bit. Fans but, will mimic a coach's behavior. Yeah. If, yeah, you're, so if your coach is in the dugout just – Raven, right. Raven. That's true. The fans are going to do, do it, it if, too. If a fan sees you, like you said, going out, being respectful. Well, Butch has a lot more there. reasonable fans down there in Georgia, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> He's never been to Southeastern Ohio. You, you don't think that works here? <laughs> You're, I mean, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But no, but, I understand what you're, what he's saying as yeah. well. Is is that is true? I mean, it creates a pause in the game, and and almost almost to a point of where, like, subconsciously as a fan, you might be thinking, okay, let's just see what what happens here. I mean, he's he's, but then as soon as you walk away and nothing's changed, they're right back on him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just yeah, I, right. I, 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 that'd be interesting. I, I want to pay attention to that. You know, mm-hmm. but but. You you don't see it's it done point. in a great way because normally the well the, normally coaches are handling it the wrong way. Yeah, they're beginning the yeah. conversation with, "Hey, appeal shouting, that, shouting. ask your partner." Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's not very many examples of a that's unfortunate coach being respectful, especially in youth leagues. Yeah, Gosh, yeah, it's, unfortunately that's true. But yeah. we don't talk about it, Nate. We don't tell coaches that. You know what I mean? No right. one knows that. Like that's so we need to get these I, guys listening. It has to be requirement. You guys, you got the you got the clout down there in the Big Bend. <laughs> Require these guys to listen. Pick out a handful of episodes and say yeah. you've got to listen to this. If you want to coach, you've got to listen to this because it's so important. I mean, I mean, think about how many kids don't want to play. How many families decide they don't want to play anymore because it's no fun. I mean, they, right. they don't want to listen to mom and dad yell all the time. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's it's it's, it's not any fun. Yeah, and actually. I always say, what if I went to your place of work mm-hmm. and just yelled at you for eight straight hours? 
How much fun would that be? Right. Or even at your, even at a, even worse at at a hobby. Like you don't, you're not just being an official as a, for a living. I right. mean, you might want to someday, but but right now, that's kind of a. I mean, it's like a side gig, right? I mean, so right. even like so, yeah, it's one thing for you to come to my place of work and do that, but it's another thing for you to come to something that I'm just doing as a hobby and yell at me about it. It's right. like, hey, dude, I don't have to do this. Well, it's funny. Nate sent me a uh, like a little. Uh, it was a YouTube video, and uh, it, it's. Uh, it was entitled "Changing the Game in Youth Sports" by John O'Sullivan, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a it, there's adults on a golf course, on a putting green. <laughs> They're in the green, and a guy's getting ready to putt, and his son is there behind him, just telling you know, All look at the him. ball, focus, take a take oh a deep breath. Your feet are too wide. Yeah, your feet's too oh, wide. Stand up. He's straight. coaching yeah. him up. He's coaching that up. That is excellent. Guy punts it or <laughs> punts it. Guy puts it. Kid said, "That's pathetic." <laughs> Yeah. And oh it's so gosh, true. That's that exactly awesome. how parents. Treat I gotta see that video. Kids. It is funny. It's funny. I told him. I said that's funny. It teaches a great lesson, but it's not. <laughs> it's not funny because it's embarrassing. It's, it's really most what it of is. Us. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's me. Oh yeah, definitely. It's been me. So you know, what do we? We always talk about successful habits, right? Mm-hmm. Successful people have successful habits. Yeah, yelling at the officials all the time is in That's not a good habit. You know what I mean? It's it's an it's a it's a form of excuse making. I mean, there, you know, there's times I think basketball is one of those games where people really think, well, you gotta you gotta talk to the you gotta officials work through the game. You gotta, you gotta work, work them a little bit. And you know, I, I've seen that. That's tr- I, I mean, I you can't ever get say worked? it's false. Do I ever get worked? Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Not successfully. <laughs> Not usually successfully. <laughs> yeah. You know, going into a game, which coach is going to work you? Yeah. And which one is it? Sometimes it works. Um, sometimes you get tired of listening to him. But um, I'll say the coach who tries to develop a better relationship with the official usually, I won't say will get the benefit of calls, but you just know it just makes it a more enjoyable experience, yeah. I'll say. Yeah. yeah. We know there are times in games when – it's got to be because you're forced to make calls instantaneously. Yeah. Like we, as soon as you see something, in fact, the longer you wait, this, is, this always has irritated me too, that people get mad like if an umpire waits for a second and then makes the call. It's like, no, I would rather see that, to be honest. I'd, yeah. rather, I'd rather see you make sure you saw what you saw and then make, and then make the call as yeah. opposed to making it real quick. Some people get mad because they don't make it fast enough. Well, I think I made like, that I'm point the opposite. I would rather see you take a little bit of time and say, yeah, that, I thought that was a ball, but no, it's a strike. Strike. Yeah. You know, you know, in, in that little conversation in your mind, you know, that I would much rather see that to make sure you get it right. I would much rather see those conversations, those conferences, you know, and then change it if it needs to be changed. If not, whether I'm on the receiving end of that or the giving end of that, is a you know, as a coach, you know, as an, you know, if my opponent gets the benefit of that, I would rather see for the sake of the integrity of the game, everything be done right. Yeah. Um. Sometimes it's not going to be that way, though, because you just it, – it's so close. It could go either way, right? Basketball's worse. Yeah. yeah. If you're a second late calling a foul, you're going to have 600 oh, people yelling at you true. instantaneously. That's true. That is true. So I was going to ask you, like, from a baseball or softball perspective, are you instructed or, or do they teach you to, to wait yes. to make a call? I thought so. Yeah. It makes sense because um, if you call things right away – well, things that I've noticed. If you call things right away, and then there's something that happens close. Well, just say a play at first. Yeah. You call an out. 
then the first baseman drops the ball. Drops the ball, right? And that's, that's a little a different. That's the example. big one. But sometimes, because we're human, we hesitate a little bit too. And if you hesitate a little bit, then people are like, well, oh, you know. They right. do. But if you're always pausing, you're always waiting another, mm-hmm. you know, second or two, and then making the call. It's you, obvious you that's your mechanic. That hesitation, right? Yeah, that's that's we, his normal mechanic. We had a. a 18U tournament recently in, in a local league, and uh, the umpire went to call a strike, and his finger flipped slipped off the strike indicator on his clicker. Right. And because his finger slipped off, he didn't call it. He he, he hesitated. He was like, oh. And then he flipped uh, it and called it a strike. And people were like, oh, you know, because oh, right. he was late. Yeah. But it was because he... His he wanted finger. to make sure that he got that clicker back. right. Yeah. It was like yeah. the clicker into you know, but so he he kind of hesitated, and that makes people think that you know you don't you're not really for sure on the call and you're, things like that. In, so. Yeah, you're in, yeah. because it it like it it's kind of like a pet peeve for me for umpires behind the plate to you know ball comes in hits the glove pop. You can almost hear it before it hits the glove. Sometimes. No, I'm talking about the pause. Oh, you don't then, like, you don't like it? It I do I the more I'm under I'm, I understand yeah. it yeah, but it just like. For whatever reason, I don't like it. What and they hint. teach you is catcher catches the ball, have a keyword you say in your head, and then make the call. Ah, like an indicator. Like you right. say it. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how many pitches that I've missed as soon as the pitcher throws it, I think in my head, well, that pitch is high. What well, ended up, it wasn't high. Where if I would have yeah, slowed you down, anticipate what you think right. is going to happen, can and that, that can happen a lot in baseball, actually. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where you, where you, in your mind, you're like, "There's no way this kid's beating his throw out," but he, he's got some wheels, and all of a sudden, you know, I mean, if you anticipate what you think you're going to see, and then yeah. you call it based on that, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Right. Right. Like whether if you, the the batter moves out of the way of the pitch, that can confuse you a little bit. He's moving out sure. of the way, or she's moving out of the way. It's a curveball, comes back in. You know. You've called off. You called off of his movement. That, I know you're right. not supposed to do that. Wait, can we go top secret? And can you tell us what your what your keyword is? What my keyword yeah. is? <laughs> Could be anything like bananas or whatever. <laughs> I just say ball or strike in, in, my in your mind oh, okay. first. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, a, that right. makes sense. <laughs> that's kind of boring. Nate, but it makes. Sense. I just thought it was a word. You know, <laughs> like like some like I did too. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like yeah, super fragile. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that word. What um, I I, I want to this there's an interesting paradox. I, I want to I, I don't know if it's a question. I don't know if I can say this in form of a question, but maybe I'll just make it a statement and then you just tell me how you feel about it, like how it resonates with you. Like, is it true or not? And if and and how is it true? How is it not true? But there's an interesting paradox about I, I would say any game, any sport, which is honestly, if if we're all honest, officials are just as much part of the game as the players and the coaches and the fans and the parents and everybody that's there. Well, I should, we should actually, I should take that back. You don't, you, you can play the game without parents. You could play it without fans. You could play it without coaches. Could we try that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. We're, we're trust me. We're with you on that one. You could, you could also play it without officials, but it'd be really hard. So you're now you're getting to the point to where, okay, these are some people that are, that are pretty, pretty necessary, mm-hmm. you know, and you couldn't play it without the players, obviously. So let's take it down to the, the two most necessary groups, which is players and officials. Even though they're just as much part of the game, we don't want them to be. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. And, and, and so, like, how, how does that 
I mean, can you appreciate that that idea? I mean, does that make sense? To, to I mean, when I say that, officials are a necessary part of the game, but we just but we don't want them to become part of the game. The best they say the best game an official calls is one where no one notices that you're there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told Pat yesterday, I don't think I've ever seen Nate in any of our games. And he said, yeah, he did a couple of your softball games last year. I said, well, he must have done a heck of a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm with you there. If you're not noticed, that's probably the best game that, I mean, right. that, you, could, that you could ask yourself to do. Yeah. Well, I know I've seen... Which is really hard because I mean, yeah. you got to be a really humble person to, well, to, I'd say that's, to not want to be noticed. You I'd know say this too, and I don't want to offend anybody out there. <laughs> But there are, this would be true for coaches and players too. You know, this is true for humans. There are, there are officials out there that, that like to be seen. They like for people to hear them and, you know, they, they kind of want to be the, you know. Center uh, of attention. Yeah, yeah, of, of, of the game. And that, I think the, in that, those people should take note of the idea of, hey, you know, you're at your best when no one even notices you're there. Right. Because in theory, that's what they're supposed to do is just uphold the integrity of the game, make sure it runs smooth and by the rules, and, you know, you go on from there. Yeah. So there are people like that, but, you know, heck, there's everyone has faults, right? Yeah, there are coaches like that too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, how, how often do we see coaches meddling in the game when it's unnecessary, you know? Right. You got bases loaded and the guy's calling a bunt. Yeah. That's a coach that's wanting to be part of the part of the game, I think. Some, so <laughs> not necessarily. Geez, some some people really believe in that coach. Uh, yeah. Well there's <laughs> a there's a certain thing called over coaching a game and yeah. you can also you over got it, officiate. I read an entire chapter in a book about that. <laughs> you can also over officiate a game. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those. Let's, let's get into some specifics here. You got something in mind? Well, no. I mean, like, what's one of the craziest rulings that you've ever that you've seen in a game or uh, in any any sport? Uh, well, the one I wrote down was just recently in the, the World Series of Game Two when um, everyone should. If you didn't watch the World Series, and believe mm-hmm. it or not, not everyone does, but you should listen to what Nate's talking about here. This is, this is which crazy. I might not do a very good job explaining, so I might need Pat's help. Was this bit. the interference call? No, this was, was um, say, yeah, this game two. That was game five. It really wasn't a big deal in the game. It wasn't. We, but we made it a big deal by taking it to the extreme. Yeah, I think. yeah, we, we we jumped on it and get, we were on Twitter arguing about Who's it. Who's we? Me and Nate, and a couple <laughs> other I don't, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I think you do. I, I think. I I'm, mean, I may when you tell me what happened, <clears throat> but I, I don't remember because I my mind is going to the the big one I thought, which was the interference call in game five or six. Nah, that that was yeah, that was six. a crazy. There's we have some opinions on that, but this sure. one is this one is even this one's the craziest. Right, let's hear it. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Right. So, just say for instance, ground ball to shortstop. Um, runner beats the throw, but steps over the bag. Oh yeah, I do remember so this. So they never touched the bag. He kind of ran around the bag. I do remember which this. Runner gets past the bag. First so he never touches stand. the bag. By rule. The fielder can't just step on the bag. He has to tag That's the It's no longer runner. a force. It's no longer a force play. Right. Yes. But our thinking is in what world <laughs> should a runner, or how do I want to say this? The ball gets to the bag before the runner. 
I'm exactly. not saying this right. No, you are. Because that's the rule, right? On a force out, if the ball gets to the bag before the runner, the runner's out. Unless, right? We argued about that. Unless the runner steps over the bag. <laughs> right. That's exactly <laughs> unless right. Unless the runner steps over the bag. Because what's... What? But, I, but doesn't that... Wouldn't that require the first baseman to miss the ball, though? No. Or miss the bag? Like, I mean, not miss the bag necessarily, but, but like... If is if that first base if that runner legitimately if the ball legitimately beat that runner to the bag initially before he stepped over the bag, well the runner well, the sure. runner beats the ball he just doesn't touch oh. the bag. Yeah, the runner I runs see. past the bag. The ball comes into the mitt. Okay, and it's yeah. clear that the runner beat the, ball, the beat the throw. It's, right. Yeah. You you have to call that runner safe until the first baseman tags him out. Correct. Seems like an odd rule. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. So we see this and you. Youth baseball all the time, softball. Runners run over, just step over the bag. And obviously, it kind of gives you an incentive to step over the bag, doesn't it? Well, I thought about that. I've tried my best because that's what I do with rules. Like, try to figure out why wouldn't I just do this then as a coach? I tell you what, from now on, as a second baseman, I'm telling my second baseman to throw the ball at the runner. Yeah, right. Or throw, right. It the, throw it in the path of the runner. If you're going to call it, if, that, if it's if any throw, I'm going to teach our infielders from now on to, to make throws to the left of the first baseman. Any right. throw that goes toward that baseline, if we got a chance of getting called for interference, yeah, you tell you tell me there's not going to be coaches out there doing that now. You're talking about the the, the, the next one, third, yeah. yeah. We should, I, we should, we'll talk about that one later. Uh, we'll, but we can, but no, that, that that is that's a that's an odd rule though. I mean, like, why why do you think like every rule has to have a purpose? Why do you think that rule exists, Nathan? I'm wondering if it doesn't happen very often in the major leagues, if it's just never been addressed in the wording of the rule. Yeah. Yeah, because you're thinking. You're, so we're thinking, the rule was applied correctly. We're thinking that we should be able to. If the, the, the fielder first st- baseman should be able to step on the bag at that point and get that runner out because he never actually did touch the bag. Because he never touched, even the though bag. he beat the throw, he didn't actually beat the throw. Right. Because right. he didn't touch the bag. And, and why would it be different on first than any other base? Because. It, well, probably the same reason you can run through first base and, I guess, and be yeah. safe and not, you know. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't have that answer. And it may have something to do with that. But there, that. there's a concept that, that people don't know, and, and it, this is kind of where the, the, the arguments came and the rule that you're talking about came up too. It's the way that the rule was interpreted yes. by a, an officiating... Um, you can only do so much with black and white, with correct. words. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, the letter of the rule says this. And there are going to be people out there who, I don't care what the spirit of the rule is, mm-hmm. I'm calling it according to the letter, which is exactly what um, Sam... Uh, oh, yeah, the, I know you're talking The official about. The, that made the uh, final on the, call on the on game six. I don't know his last name. The thing. school. So the, so the call we're talking about now was where the... Uh, I'm trying to think which team. Which, which see, it's funny. I can't even remember. The it's, Nationals hit the ball. Yeah, the the Nationals were on offense. So the 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 the, uh, uh, the ball was a was a like a swinging bunt that went down toward third base. Pitcher goes and fields it. So he's throwing from the third base side of the of of home plate. So so it's not coming from home plate. It's coming from more shallow third. The runner is practically at the. I would say he's one step away from the bag mm-hmm. when this when this when the throw gets to the first baseman's glove. The throw doesn't quite get to the first baseman's glove because it the throw takes the throw goes up the line a little bit and pulls the thir- the first baseman off the the bag into the line of the runner, and he kind of alligator arms it 
and misses the throw. And there may have been. Was there a little bit of contact there with the runner in the? I don't in think the glove? so. I don't, I don't think even so. think there was contact. Was there? Well, the, no, I, because the runner was already past the runner the was first past baseman. the fielder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. But in the umpire's judgment, yes, he interfered. He with thought the throw. he interfered with the throw. Yeah. But what's weird about baseball is the running lane is in foul territory. Well, that bag is in fair territory. That was kind of what I told Pat because I I got it. I I got into I don't get into Twitter conversations much, but I got into one that night about (laughs) this call. And the other guy that was on there, it was an umpire. Jacob. Yeah. yeah. I I said, okay, here's here's what I'm going to do then if I'm coaching, if I'm coaching and the next time I'm coaching my players in base running on base running and how to run to first base and how to properly, according to the letter of that rule, to run to first base and then touch that bag. I'm going to invite you, Mr. Umpire, to come and demonstrate. Not not tell me how to do it because that's the easy part. Tell me like the way that's what the rule does. Right. It tells you what to do. But th- y- there's athletes making these moves, right? So I want to see you run down that lane and at the last second step over and touch that bag the way the rule says I'm supposed to touch it. And we'll need to make sure we have an athletic trainer there too for all the poured groins and the you know the ACLs we're going to tear trying to do that because it's not it's not you got to be a ninja to make that move. Coach, at this point you might as well ask the it's first base natural. umpire to ask the third base umpire for help, <laughs> right? From the dugout. Yeah, right, right. Right. <laughs> so I know that's a little bit of a smart like smart aleck answer, but, no, it, but I understand it's what you're one saying. of those areas where yeah, I get I get it that's what the rule states. But it's an impossible move for the athlete to make. It's a lot like the rule in baseball of you have to make an attempt to get out of the way of a pitch. That's what I was just going to say. I have argued that. There's been one call that I've argued more than any in my baseball coaching career, and it's that one. Because I do not want my players to move backwards on a curveball. As soon as your shoulder goes back, when a a ball is coming at you, you can't swing it. You can't hit that pitch. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to roll that shoulder in. You've got to stay tucked. In and case that ball does break, then the problem is it doesn't break, and it looks like he didn't get out, out of the way, and or and, and he makes him stay but, in the box. I'm like, I understand that you you called that because the rule says that, but it's a dumb rule. Right? It's a dumb, dumbly worded rule that doesn't make sense to how we play the game. Which yeah. in, so- actually, in softball you don't, you don't have, have that rule, which I love that. Which is odd because softball you don't see the curveball nearly as much. Right. That kind of a pitch. In baseball it's an unnecessary rule. My thought is, I love the way the softball treats it. Hey. That's her box. Exactly. That's her, that's her, that batter's box is hers. You throw a pitch in there, she can stand there and get hit all she wants. I love it. Hmm. And but, I, I also advocate baseball to get the safety bag. Yeah. Like yeah because of that rule that we just talked about. The running about. lane. The running lane rule. Yeah. I never I I've not never been a big fan of the safety bag, but after that night, after that night of the World Series, I thought to myself, this is where the safety bag makes sense. Yeah. Makes it a total unavoidable. Yeah. I, where it doesn't make sense is when you hit a ball through the infield and you got around the bag and you're supposed to round the white one the instead right of the one, orange right. one. Well, then the first baseman's usually standing on that white one. You're going to have a collision anyway. I mean, wow. you know. Yeah. But there's like three there's page, give and take. There's for, like three page list of the rules for that safety bag. For that safety so bag? We won't get through those. Yeah, today. it's pretty interesting. Some <laughs> of them too. I know that. Yeah. Anyway. These rules are fun. Fun stuff. <laughs> well, and that brings me back to our umpire family. After every game at Tupper's Plains, we would go home and for... Two hours we'd go through that rule book arguing. That's that's, that's probably what makes you rules. guys good at what you do. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's, people don't like it either. You know, people who know the rules. People don't like when you know the rules. Yeah. And hard? they won't believe you when you. Yeah. They don't like it because they're they're, they're egotistical and they 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 get proved wrong or something. Right. Yeah. They don't go into it with an open mind, thinking, well, 
I want to learn. If I am wrong, I want to know so I don't look like a fool the next time it happens. Right. Instead, they go at it with, "Oh, I'm right." We had we we t- went in that po- in that episode we did bit, you know about you know coaching tips you know coaching cues that are Rumors, that are ridiculous yeah. and and then rules uh, uh, rules issues. One of the things we said was there is no argument if this is what the rule states. And, and you're like, I, well, I, I, but I, that's, I see it differently. I disagree. Well, it doesn't matter if you disagree. It's what the rule states. All right. Except for like in those judgment call issues now <laughs> that we're talking about. The you know, interpretation. Like the interpretation. Matters, of and yeah. I don't expect coaches to know every rule. Sure. I've been umpiring for 14 years, and I don't know every you're gonna, rule. You're not going to know. Yeah. Right. Rules change. Too. You're right. They change yeah. every year. Yeah. And softball rules are different than baseball rules. And, you know, you talk there's different rules in different ages age divisions. USA is so, different than yeah you tri- than and mm, yeah. FHS or U trip or right exactly it's crazy it's, it's it's hard to keep track of and I, I I sympathize with umpires in that situation when they go back and forth right you know between leagues well there's been weeks that I've done a basketball game one day a volleyball yeah. game the next day a softball game the next day a different Softball league the next day. Hey, do right. you, you do volleyball? That's right. You did volleyball district tournament. Can you, right. Could you explain a volleyball rule to me? Well, maybe. I, there's one that irritates <laughs> me. But I'll tell you, I, here's, here's the thing about volleyball. I'll tell you, here's, this is the, the thing that I find fascinating about volleyball, which is also a little bit irritating. It's the only sport where the official can score points. Right. If you decide that you saw a double hit and nobody else in the gym saw it, you just gave a point to that team. You know, that double hit is the most confusing. It is the hardest. It is. It has, and, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you would think, like, I don't know, and this is just me, and I'm not an official, so it's easy for me to say, it would have to be pretty obvious for me to call that. Because I don't want people, I don't even, like, I've had people tell me before who, like, of official volleyball games with another person, and, and they're like, and I would ask them, you know, just as a friend, hey, did you see... Like there were six double hits called in that game. Did you see all those? And he's like, I didn't see them. I'm like, if the other guy's not seeing them, how are you seeing right. them? And I'll mm-hmm. even say my definition of a double hit might change from game to game, mm. not on purpose. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Is it a flow thing like or a player thing, a team thing? What? Um, you kind of watch in warm-ups the setters. You can, yeah. You can. Is that when you a double know hits? What, the double hit. It's the set. It has usually. to be when it's a, yeah. When, when, like, you can't have it on the f- on the first, first contact. contact, right? But like the setter, so it's typically going to be from the setter or someone who's not a setter or used to setting, and they. That's usually when it does happen. But right. Sometimes the setter gets it too, but these are girls that you'd think pretty well. I mean, or like, you know, guys too. I mean, a lot of, there's a lot of men's volleyball teams too. Uh, that know how to set, but what is it usually like when you see the ball rotate a certain way? Well, you they tell you not to watch the spin. The sp- really? Just I listen for the sound. The sound. To t- yeah, you can a, hear. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. But, man, there are times when it's called, and I just, I am flabbergasted. I'm going, I didn't see that. And and a lot of times it's like when there's been a good volley, you know. And that's when they tell you not to call it. The girls are just busting their tail. It looks great. And then, oh, it stops because someone double hit. Like, let that go. You know? If I'm in a long rally, I'll let just about anything go. Yeah. Oh, it, it's so much fun. Volleyball yeah. is my favorite sport to watch. I suppose in that case, in a, in a volleyball match, there is no appeal, is there? No. I mean, it's over. It's done. But, and it's the the guy in the stand. That's his call. Yeah, no on the one, stand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh. And I tell you, that's uh, there, there, a couple. There's just really fascinating things about volleyball, and that's one of them. Is that that officials can score points, and that's probably you're, one of the most scoring points. That's probably the most discussed. Uh, thing in our volleyball meetings is judging the double hits. Yeah. yeah. And it can vary 
game to game. If you have two teams that aren't very good, you're not going to right. call very many right. of them. If you have two really good teams, you're going to tighten up and yeah. call a lot of them. And my, and my thought with any call is what's the advantage? Like, okay, you called that because she's getting an advantage in some way. I mean, I, well, maybe not. Maybe it's because Now, it's this just, year it's they stressed if you're setting it to your own team, be more lenient. Then if As opposed you're, to putting it over the net, setting it over the net, it. and it's bad. Then mm. yeah, I could see they that. want it called because yeah. you you are causing hmm. you're getting away with more per se. Hmm. I could debate that. I'm a bump set spike guy. You do it it's all. Very important. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I think. I hate to see a setter push the ball back over. Oh, the oh no! It. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I hate it. Oh, uh, you know what though? When she does it and it's sneaky, sure. Like that's like, true. Like she times like she's right at the net and she goes up to set and that and and these girls over here are are jumping already. Yeah. To try you to know, block it and she just she just you know what she I equate takes that it to? Over. You know what I equate that to? No, I don't know. Bunning. Oh, the set, be, the you setter, could be a good setter just bunner too, but. Like the or you can just a, hit it over the, the wall. making a tap, is, you equate that to a bump. Yeah, because you're not getting yeah. it to your swing. Well, trust me, I'd, your I'd much rather see him swing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like to see him swing it. <laughs> yeah, and and that's that's usually the time where I'll say something at a volleyball game. Whenever I see like you know these big these big girls going up and then just tapping it over, I'm like <laughs> swing it, just hit yeah. the ball, <laughs> hit the ball. So what's your stance on bunning against the shift? That's a good question. Because it seems like a pretty obvious play that no one ever. Well, you know what Obvious I don't understand. If you can do it, right? What yeah. I don't understand is this. I feel like they should. You should be able to hit. You should be able to hit Oppo against the shift all the time because I don't see, and I don't understand this. <laughs> you could explain this to me. That someone, a team pulls a shift. They're still working the outside oh, part of the plate. Oh, you don't see them pitching differently. No, yeah, they're still pitching the same way. Yeah. But see, I'm baseball, not it, though. baseball and softball differ from the percentages of. I think in baseball, if you have a runner on first with no outs, you have a higher percentage of scoring than a runner on second with one out. Where in softball, it's the opposite. I think you're right. If you have a runner yeah. on second with one out, there's a higher percentage of scoring than a runner on first with no outs. I could see that with the distance. Yeah. You know, you're 100, yeah, 120 hmm. foot instead of yeah. 180. I could see that a little bit more. But I'm not against the bunt of the shift. Because I think the, the argument there is, you know they're they're doing something unorthodox to defend against you, so right. you can do something unorthodox to oh, beat yeah. them. I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, if you're going to do it, I'm not against the shift either. But I'll tell you this: I'm not button Barry Bonds against the shift. Take your chances. Yep. He's going to hit it over the wall. Yep, they can't shift out there. All right. Yeah. Yep. So it depends. I Babe guess. Ruth said that once when Babe Ruth was first coming up into the league, and his uh, his agent was was taking him, showing him around, and uh, the kid was like, like, hey, so tell me what's your story, big guy. What do you what do you like to do? And and Ruth, like, I like to hit home runs. <laughs> and and you know, they weren't used to that. Right. His guys weren't didn't do that a whole lot. And he's like, Well, he's well, you know, that's home runs don't come very often. Hit them where they ain't. That's what we like to say. And Ruth goes, Well, they ain't over the fences. <laughs> so that's why I like to hit them. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. I tell story. you, what's the the John Goodman? Oh, the babe. It was just called the babe. That was probably in that movie, actually. That was a heck of a line. Yeah, I like I like that movie. I that was I had to yeah. watch that again. Yeah, that's I, a good bet. Well, I don't ever think about that as a baseball movie when I, when I'm listening to baseball movies. But that's a really good. He it did is. a nice he did job. A as really Ruth. good job. That was a really good. So. 
Back to officiating. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's take a different turn because I know Nate, you've been around youth sports for a long time, and you obviously your family's been around youth sports for a long time. You have a lot of experience in it. What are some of the things you think uh, need to or should change in youth sports? Um, well, you guys have talked about it. I think it just needs to be more fun. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which you mentioned that video we watched earlier. Over seventy percent of kids quit playing sports before they get to high school. And I think the main reason is because they don't have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the parents trying to live through their kids. Yeah. No argument. I mean, we, it, you see it happen all the time, everywhere, every yeah. sport. Well, what's your favorite thing about officiating sports? My favorite thing? Probably the people you meet. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of friends I've met through, whether it's officials, ADs, coaches. Um, you can meet a lot of good people. Um, umpires aren't always out there, aren't there always to j- just cheat someone. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've met a lot of good people um, through officiating. I, the point that that you just made, Nate, it's amazing to me. If we really pause to think to, to think about it, I mean, if we, if we really think logically and reasonably, do we really think that an official? I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but do we really believe that an official comes into a game with a rooting interest? I'm talking about at the high school level. You know, I mean. Right. Granted, I, who knows? I mean, I'm talking about kids you pick off the. You I still know. don't think that. Even I don't think they do at any level, to be honest. Yeah, with you. I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, for one, I don't know. I mean, is there? Is there? Have you ever run into as an official? Have you ever run into anyone who actually says that they would rather see this team win than that team win before the game? You know, or where you're sitting around in your official's shed or whatever. You know, even at travel tournaments where you're, where you're, you know, I'm sure you probably got some teams you really sick of seeing because right. you hate that coach, you know, whatever. But does anybody actually ever go into a game with that in their mind? I've never I can't imagine with it. one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just can't imagine it. It's just an no. excuse for fans to use. I mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we failed. Right. Our kids failed. Hey. I, I, as a coach, I failed. And so it's your fault. I've always told my <laughs> kids, regardless of what sport it is, when we're going into a game that Nate's officiating, that we're going to have to overcome the officials who win this game. So <laughs> because they, he's going to do so well. I'm <laughs> just kidding, Nate. That's not true. I like to think when you come to Tupper's Plains, you know you're going to get a well-called game. You're going to get our full effort. Have you ever heard anybody say that, hey, when you go to that school, when you go to that place, you you know you're going to have to play against you know 12 yeah. instead of 11 as a football oh, team. Oh, yeah, you or, hear that all the time. You know, why, you hear it why do those reputations happen? Why why does it, I mean cuz it ha- yeah, we all know it. We all know places like that. You probably thought of a school right now when I said that. Yeah. Why why? It's we, probably because how, the how team's good repu- at winning at home. I, I mean, is it because is there is there cheating going on there? Do you think there's ever cheating really going on anywhere? I wouldn't think so. Um It's pretty hard. Like even think if, about what it would take to cheat. Yeah, even if right. you're, even if you have a kind of like a vindictive feeling in you, or you, you're you're holding a grudge because an, uh, a coach yelled at you, like to to actually go to the level of saying you're cheating to change the a game, the, the outcome. outcome of a game. I mean, it it would get pretty obvious, you know. Yeah, 
pretty obvious. Like, there's a lot of times coaches will yell about, like, especially in basketball, the foul count. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. They look at that yeah. number up there on the, the, on the scoreboard. It normally happens in the second half. But you know what I've learned is normally when that happens, say it's like 10-2 in the second half. It was probably you know, 9-1 to one in the first the opposite way. And you just forget about the first half because well, and my thought about that is oh, your team's fouling more than ours. Well, that's chop. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> you that know, happens, and that's usually it, what it, causes it. You're, you're pressing I, that a lot. A, you're running man I defense. I hate that number on on scoreboards. I, it's, I, I'm sure just you take do it too. off there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm point. sure. <laughs> why do Why do they have that number on the scoreboard? Well, yeah, it's probably. I, I mean, it's, it's helpful. Than it's probably to helpful to. Well, that's true. You have a scorekeeper. To yeah, tell, the, the scorekeeper. Do the fans really need to know how many fans don't? The coaches. Well, I guess. I don't, I don't know. know. It, it adds to the element of yeah. the game, probably. It, it really does. I know this. When we're, whenever I, I'm in the stands and our team is losing by seven to you know five to seven points, and we're getting down to the last minute of the game, and and our team only has three fouls up there, like we only have committed three fouls. I'm thinking you're going to wish you had. Well, one. you better ha- you better start fouling. Because you're going to want to get them to the line. That, there's no way you're going to be able to stop the game if you don't, you know, to get the get, to get the ball back if you don't. But those are so. Yeah, I I look at that foul thing a lot. But it that's that's kind of a uh, an irritating thing to assume that in a basketball game the number of fouls should be even among teams or at least close to even all right. the time. Doesn't even make sense because there are some yeah. teams that are a lot more physical than others, exactly. and they should be called for more fouls than yep. others. That's true. That's true. Yeah. What's your favorite? What's your favorite thing to hear about? Well, you said you don't hear fans. Well, from a coach, maybe the favorite thing to hear from a coach that um, isn't an actual foul, like you know, like over the back, <laughs> over the back, <laughs> over the back. Yeah. That's the best one. Yeah, people still say that. Today. Everyone says. Why don't you explain that to our listeners? Because there might be people who are listening. Like, well, you mean there's an over the back, right? Yeah. Well, so you got two guys going up for a rebound. The guy behind jumps which they'll say over his back. Right. One, if there's not contact, it's not a foul. Sure. He just got... The second thing, if there is contact, it's a push. There's right. no rule in the rule book that says over the back. <laughs> right. Th- that statement is not in any rule book. You can, li- you can reach over a player's shoulders and grab a ball as long as you don't touch them. Correct. People don't yeah. know that. And yeah. if that happens, it's a position they automatically issue, right? yell over the back. Over the back. because position and contact issue, right? Yeah. Right. If he ha- yeah. If you- there are very few actual fouls in the game of basketball, right? Right. I mean, in terms of certain terminology. Right. It's either a, I mean, just off the top of my head, I can think block, charge, push. Yeah. Hit. I can't name another one. Yeah, like a hit would be what someone like, might consider a if reach. If you shoot it and you hit him in or, the arm. Yeah. If you're reaching in, maybe make make too much contact, reaching for the ball or something. Like that. But there is no reach. No foul. reach. There That's another no one. There's He's no reaching. Reach. He's reaching. It's yeah. foul. No, you it's can either, reach all you want. <laughs> there's either no contact or it's a push. Yeah. Same thing on the rebound. Yeah. yeah. I don't expect fans and coaches to know all the rules, but yeah. Well, it's right. just when they expect you to call them all in their favor. Well, right. It's, <laughs> well, it's, it's also it's also a little bit difficult when they expect you to call something that's not really a call. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. You know, that's true. Hey, that's over the back. Well, not really because it doesn't exist. And then they get mad. Well, you know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, Nate, what's your long term goals as an official? I know you've called some college games. Yeah, I've called some lower level uh, college stuff. Nothing too uh, exciting, um, but I would really like to move up and do some higher-level college. I mean, when I say higher-level, D2, 
would probably be a realistic goal. Yeah, no um, doubt. But it's it's really hard. If you think getting recruited for to play in college is hard, it's just almost mm. just as hard as an official. Um, you have to go to camps. Um, they're well, expensive. There's way less officials than there are players. Wouldn't there be? There, that yeah, I mean that's true. At that but next level, using, I, there's probably a lot more than one of getting to that next level, though. I guess. Yeah. Say you go to a NCAA camp, you pay, I'll say three hundred dollars to attend the camp. Probably hundred people there. They'll pick two. Hmm. Um. So it's really hard. Dang. Yeah, hmm. you wouldn't think, uh, but it's it's hard to move up. But yeah, I would. That's one of my goals. Is I bet once you're up though. You're in. Right. Because I I go watch my son's baseball games. <laughs> There's some guys with some pretty poor judgment. Yeah. I mean, it's like, okay. I, I've had a lot. I mean, I've had some, some high school officials that are a lot better than some of the ones I've seen at the D2 level. And, huh. well, for that matter, D1 level here. Hmm. It's a, some, yeah. And that's odd because. Um, it is odd. Must be a good. They old go boy through system, more huh? extensive training. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I get. I get. I think a college student, a college baseball player, for example, ought to be able to throw the ball over a seventeen-inch plate, and you ought to be able to expect him to hit that strike zone. You can't. You shouldn't be giving him right eight inches off that. plate. You get less leeway. And I, I sit behind. I, at all my son's games, I try to sit right behind the plate. And I, and and it's not just one way. I'm not talking one sided. I'm just thinking. I'm I'm thinking. As I understand these coaches' issue, they because they got kids. They got their own players sitting back there charting pitches and and gunning. And so they're they're going over and talking to the coach. The coach knows, you know. And and I and there's some there's some strike. There's some umpires once they get settled in out there and they start calling that strike out there. If you, if a pitcher can live there, you can't you can't hit that ball. Yeah. And and I, I'm like, why are, why is that happening at this level? Right. You know? And I think I saw you tweeted one from a softball from a high game this game. year. Yeah. I think it was softball. I shouldn't have done that, but it was so. It was. This is from a GoPro. It was just it, it, the girl. You know, the girl got rung up three times that day, and and on a pitch inside the. This was, it was batter's so box. far outside. It was it was in it was in the middle of the left-hander's batter's box. Mm. She literally could not have reached it, and she told us that. But you know, when she comes over the dugout and says that, I'm like, oh, no excuse. Right. You got to figure out a way. It's close enough and for him. The to reason call I it. was mad about it was because I shared. I told her that very thing. You know, hey, you got to figure out a way. And then I went back and watched the film. I'm like, no, nope, she was right. There's no way she could mm. hit that ball. She fouled two good balls off, went to full count. You know, had a great at bat, and then got rung up on that. And and so I'm like, this takes me. This irritates me. You know, so I didn't put the name of the official or anything like that. I'm just like. Sometimes, and I put it out there for the purpose of saying, moms, dads, sometimes it really happens. Coaches, sometimes it really happens. They really, yeah. your kids are telling the truth sometimes, and they don't always get mad at them because they took strike three. Right. I took, because I told our head coach that. I said, look, you got to be careful of yelling at them about taking strike three because sometimes they weren't wrong yeah. right. for taking that pitch. Yep. You know, and that's tough because everyone's strike zones are different, but they shouldn't be. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you should. You should know going to a game. The strike zone is not different, right? <laughs> From yeah, isn't that odd? Everyone's strike zones are different, but the letter of the law says mm-hmm. this is what the strike zone is. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because some people, you know, some umpires will say, well, "This is the way I call it." Yeah, that's why I'm a fan of the automated strike zone. Are you really? Yeah. Have you seen? Did you see in the was it the Arizona or the uh, Atlantic Coastal League or whatever that, where where they were trying it out? 
Yeah, and they had they've had some pitch, issues. Like, yeah, that, that's yeah. an issue. That that was not, that didn't look like a strike at all. Right, that would get better though. But it went through that zone. But the major leagues is a billion dollar industry. I feel like they can yeah figure, figure it, out. it out. I mean, we have cars driving themselves. They're gonna they're gonna oh, yeah. they're gonna make that. Better. And as an umpire, why would you not want all the help you can get? How would that work? Like, are you eliminating the home plate umpires in in terms of calling balls and strikes? I think in that league, and they're only putting a guy back there to call plays at the plate. Then, well, I think in that league, he wore an earpiece. It told him ball or strike, so you still say ball or strike. So the appearance is That's just a nice like paycheck. exactly. <laughs> so, why someone's telling you what to say? Strike. Why would you not want that? I'd be pulling the old uh, naked gun back there. <laughs> hey, do you have any advice for? people out there looking to get into officiating um it's probably one of the best thing best decisions i've ever made because when i first um i umpired at tupper's plains for what six or seven or eight years before i actually decided to become a licensed uh, official um like i said the people you meet it keeps you in the game where you can't play yeah. it anymore, mm. which I know, Pat, you call some games just for fun. Well, I, don't, I don't know if I'd say just actually, for fun. <laughs> well, <laughs> for necessity. He enjoys it. He acts like he does it. But he enjoys it <laughs> or he wouldn't do it. But for college kids, it's actually a great part-time job. Um, yeah. The pay's not as bad as people act like. I mean, it's not good, but. Yeah, I've always said it's a paid volunteer position. Right. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> but for me, it's just a way to stay in the game because um, I actually have more fun officiating a basketball game than I do playing in one now. Mm. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like daddy ball. How people are yeah. big on daddy ball. They're like, you know, we got to have these officials, guys. We got to have umpires and yeah, and officials, and you know, you, you got to have dad coaches. You gotta have that. You gotta coaches. have a yeah. yeah. It's a way because if we don't, it's gonna be it's gonna be really hard to have yeah. leagues. You gotta have a, and uh, we just we need to uh, we need to start taking care of them better. We do. Yeah. I, that's me. I stand on that. You know as well. I'm I'm just as guilty as anyone else. And um, yeah, I've been catching myself over the last year mm-hmm. or so. Year or well, so. Well, in these youth leagues, most half the time you have a 16 year old kid back there just right. They yeah. called him to come down. Hey, can you call this game for me? Yeah, we'll sure. throw $15 at you and give you a bag of Skittles. And <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, there just needs to be more respect in the youth level. Yeah, I agree with you. In the summertime, do you go up and do a lot of games like at Burliner? I go to Burliner yeah. pretty much every weekend in the summer. Oh, cool. um, I'll do a weekend. I'll probably do at least 12 or 13 14 games a weekend. Do you mind telling us what that would look like? Like, let, let's say, let's maybe if people knew how how nice it is, I mean, how much fun it is and how, I mean, how cool it is, they would, they'd be like, maybe I'll look into this. I'll actually say. I've heard people say, you know, going on these weekend trips, sometimes these organizations will pay for your, your pay travel. Pay for our hotel. Pay for your hotel. And, yeah, I mean, if, if you're, I guess if you're not married and have any kids and you just want to go travel and st- spend an entire weekend and make a bunch of money. Yeah. Because you're playing, you're doing a bunch of games. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, Travel coaches and players, it's like a 180. Mm-hmm. They are way more respectful than the local youth leagues are. And I don't, I'm not sure what reason. Mm. Maybe because they know you're out there doing five, six games a day. Um, I'm not sure the reason. But I'll go up on a Friday, do 
It just depends. You start at noon some days, start at 8, do four or five games, go to the hotel, come back Saturday, do five or six games, go to the hotel, come back Sunday, same thing. So, I mean, you can make 600 bucks easy. In a weekend. Mm-hmm. In a weekend, and that's more than a lot of people. And not people, have to pay for your hotel. Right. Make Just it pay a week. for your meals, basically. Basically. And you get to be around ball. And you're traveling. You get to be around ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I might want to stop Yeah, coaching stop coaching. And <laughs> to answer your question before, I met my wife officiating. I was going so to that's the one person. Oh, did you really? Yeah. yeah. I was going to ask. Like, was, I, was she officiating? Sure. She was a basketball oh, official really? through college. Once she got hired, she's a teacher at Meg's now. Once okay. she got hired at Meg's, she... She was a good didn't official. want to live that life. Also, anymore. she's not doing it anymore. Right. She was a good official. Because I do see there, there's a husband and wife. Um, this, they're a little bit older, I think, that do a lot of Athens basketball games. Um, oh, really? I see them come quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you what, she's better than he is. <laughs> she is. She's well, good. that's not the case in my relationship. <laughs> well, I'll not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you want to ask him the question? What is your favorite? Or I, I should. I mean, it's hard for anybody to think of one. So what is a favorite memory that you have had over the, the span of your life as a youth, as a child? You played a lot of sports, obviously. What's a favorite memory that you had playing youth sports? Like what really sticks out to you? Um, the one thing which I wrote it down is my dad worked 12-hour shifts at DuPont. And no matter what, he would always find time to take us down to the ball field mm. and play catch. I also had the luxury of having two brothers and a sister. So, I mean, we had half a team right yeah. there. But that's what I always come back to. Um, we would always find time to uh, go go down to the ball field. And, I mean, just even if you just go messing around, just having a bat and a ball and a glove in your hand, mm. you can learn so much. Yeah. Um, you guys talk about structured free play all the time. Yeah. Um, you can learn a lot just – playing on your own. Um, but that's the one memory I always have. And um, I actually, I had a best friend when I was younger who, he was kind of a foster kid and he wasn't really into sports. And I actually got him to play baseball. And I want to say that helped him out a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I was, you remember the Kurt Schilling Bloody sock game. Oh, sure, absolutely. We had a uh, – it was a Little League tournament. I pitched the I pitched the first game on Thursday or whatnot, and he actually hurt his ankle um, that game, and he was our only – our only other pitcher, me and him. <laughs> he actually went out the next day and threw six innings on a sprained ankle. And, that's great. But oh, now man. that's how I kind of remember. Yeah, that's cool. Uh him going out and giving us that effort. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot of life lessons you can learn playing youth sports, and I hate seeing kids not play. Yeah. And yeah, we we have a we Pat and I have said this before that we don't think that they're not playing for all the reasons that people like to bring up. They're not playing too much video games. It's not the technology and the phones in their hands that are keeping them from playing. I, I really think that there are two people choosing not to play, like you said, because it's it's just not it's not as fun as that other stuff. Right. It would be a lot more fun, but the, the right. it's the problems that we bring into it that make it not fun. I mean, the games themselves they're timeless. I mean, you can't you can't create better games than what we have created with baseball and basketball and football and soccer and ten- I mean, these are these are these are incredible games that hold your attention in so many different ways. 
and they get you out there moving and exercising and meeting new people. And, and you know, no cell phone or no video game can compare to it. You just can't. And so I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's those things. It's the ways that we stain it with our behavior. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah, I agree. I think it's good what I take away there from Nate's memory of his dad working 12-hour shifts and finding ways to bring him to the ball field is just that. Yeah. It wasn't the instruction necessarily or yeah. you know, what he taught them about the game or anything like that. It was just the fact that he found time to take him down there. Mm-hmm. And I thought that could be a lesson to all of us that, you know, as we're, yeah. we're leading our kids through the sports journey that, you know, they're going to they're gonna remember what, what matters. Yeah. And what matters is that that effort that you give and and providing them the opportunity to, to play the game more so than, right. than what you're going Would to your eight-year-old know you're playing in a big game if you didn't tell them? That's a good point. Wow, yeah. But it's true. Very yeah. true. You're right. You're right. They wouldn't know the umpires made wrong calls either. Nope. If, if they didn't hear it from you first. Right. That's exactly right. They wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, they'd probably just assume that, hey, that happens. Yeah, they're smarter than what we are. Yeah, wow. They're there for di- they're there for different reasons, and we the call upsets us because we're there for different reasons than they are. And a lot of times, those young ones. Nate, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Absolutely, Appreciate very it. helpful. Good stuff. Had helpful. a blast. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>